0: book of Acts. The book of Acts, you say, Pastor? Yes, that's what I say. Let's grab right over there, Acts chapter 1. Um, We're going to begin a journey through this book, and uh, it may take us a while. I I don't know how long it'll take us, and um, I'm not quite sure of exactly what God wants to accomplish in this other than um, I kind of feel like this journey through the Book of Acts is kind of like where the apostles were when when they wrote when when Luke wrote this and when it all took, kind of took place. And we're kind of looking at this and saying, Lord, what kind of journey are we on? What kind of journey are we embarking on? What what's kind of taking place here? What what's what's happening? And and Jesus is saying, Well, you you've got some desires that Eh, kind of weird, <laughs> Jesus says would say to his disciples in the first century. You, you, you've got some thoughts about what I should be doing and what I'm about to do that are kind of understandable, but not really accurate of what I'm going to do. And I kind of feel like that's where I am, this journey through the book of Acts. I've taught through this book, I, I don't know how many times, not, not too many, maybe five, maybe six, I, I don't know. Um but this time through, I kind of, my mindset is, I'm going to try to be like these first century followers of Jesus, And I'm going to say to myself, "God, I'm not sure what you're going to do. <laughs> I'm not sure if what I want you to do is really accurate. Um, we're going to embrace the fact that this could get really scary, um, will embrace the fact that there might be some opposition, there might be a lot of things going on. So what I'm going to do over these next several weeks and perhaps a few months, I, I don't know really where this is going to go. And you're like, you're the pastor, aren't you supposed to know? Well, this time I don't know. All I know is today, we're going to look at 11 verses in Acts and um, we're going to talk about this one overall idea. That waiting on Jesus in accordance with what He actually promised. Wait a minute. And it's like this active waiting though. We're not going to sit back and we're not going to say, okay, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to do nothing until God does something. I'm not saying that there's sometimes not a place for that. There is. Sometimes it's good to push the pause button and say, I just need to wait for a second here. (laughs) Just wait a minute. But then there's other times when there's a different kind of waiting, that we're going to do some things, and we're going to have activity, and we're going to be participating. We're going to follow some instructions, but we're kind of waiting to see exactly how it's going to turn out or what's going to happen Um, not quite sure where we're going to end up, but we're going to do some things and wait on some things, and the main thing is we're going to be obedient and watch and see. Does that make sense? But then there's also this aspect of waiting that we really need to kind of um, do better at. I, I know I do. I have to grow in this idea of thinking about waiting on the Lord like a waiter we don't call them that anymore we used to say waiters and waitresses but you that that's gender specific so you can't do that anymore so we got to say server which is degrading possibly because i don't know i don't know the political correctness of it but you know those people that give you your food at the restaurants those folks those beings okay those beings that pop out of you know and they come and they take your order and they go back and they bring in your food those folks You you, you ever wonder, like, they always come up to you and ask you how things are doing when you have, like, a food in your mouth. It's like they can't do it where they get it just right to where maybe you're in between bites or something. It's always this kind of thing. And then um, when you want them, a really good server, when you need something, you kind of, like, raise your finger, like, hey, I'm over here. I need, like, something. And they kind of know, like, in America, this is, I need more bread. I don't know, like, need more water need more coffee. It's like this universal, I need something kind of thing, right? And, uh, they, they notice that and, and they, they, they come on over and they're present with you and they're attentive to you and um, they're watching. They're seeing that your water gets halfway. They're gonna fill that back up or they see that maybe your coffee and they say, hey, do you need a warm up on that? or something they're, they're just like this attentive to you. They're present and they're attentive to your needs. They see kind of what's going on. Um, they don't come to you and, and say, hey, would you do me a favor and, and, and uh, clean up this when you go? They, they don't, they're not like telling us to do it. They're not asking anything from us, but they're present and they're attentive and they're serving. They're waiting on us, right? And so when we think about the Lord and we think about waiting on Jesus, we think about waiting on the Lord. It is that kind of thing where we're present with him and we're attentive to him and we're recognizing what he's doing and what he needs and where we're going. And we're kind of there. we're, We're with him. You ever been with somebody who you don't really feel like they're with you? They're 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 not. They're, they're just they're checked out. Their their body's right there, but they're just like kind of somewhere else. And uh, y- yes, I I know the feeling. I've been preaching long enough to know the feeling, and I've been. High school long enough to know the feeling. I've raised three kids, I know the feeling, I get it. My wife probably knows the feeling because she's been married to me for about 30 years, and so she probably knows what it's like to you know, just, hey, are you uh, hello? <laughs> you you, you here? And so this idea of being present, this idea of waiting. I want to kind of explore this idea within the first chapter of the book of Acts, and there's so many different things. Oh my goodness, there's so many different things that we could talk about with the book of Acts, and I will try to refrain from talking about all of them and and try to to stay focused. But this this waiting on Jesus in accordance with what He actually said, not waiting on Jesus to do something that we want Him to do. You know, if if we were standing outside admiring the wonderful work that's taking place on our building and the garden project, and we're out there talking and, and a guy pulled into our parking lot just for a second and Used our parking lot U-turn with a Corvette, a red Corvette, and I said, "Oh, good, they're 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 delivering my car, Carvana. is, is here. Um, the it's it's my car, and this is just great. And the guys I was standing there with knew better and um, knew that I can't have that car, so because I might kill myself. So, but it was a joke, and but there I was. It was it was there. I was I was there. I, I wanted it. But as we we're out there talking and doing this and we're looking at what's going on in our church, you know, there's sometimes things that, that you want and if I want that Corvette and I expect that my wife will let me buy it and I'm just waiting around for her to let me buy the Corvette, I'm gonna be waiting a long time, like forever, like never. Like I, I, so if it's, if it's, I'm gonna sit in my living room and I'm waiting for Susan to say, buy the Corvette. I will sit there with cobwebs all over me I, I will die there. It was, it's never going to happen. And um, I've convinced her to let me spend a lot of money on mountain bikes and, and, and road bikes. But the vet is over the edge. That, that's, that's No, that's not going to happen. So sometimes I think we're doing that with Jesus. Like we're sitting around waiting for him to do something, waiting for him to open a door for us, waiting for him to provide something for us, waiting for him to do something in our lives that maybe he's done for someone else or in another place or, or for some other reason, and we're sitting there and we're saying, when Jesus does this for me, then I'll act. When Jesus does A, I'll do B, and this will be great. And Jesus never promised that. He never told you that He was going to be doing And if I fear that some of you, as you wait on Jesus for some things, that you're going to be waiting there and waiting there and waiting there and waiting there and never, ever happen. And you've spent your whole life waiting for something that Jesus never promised that He would actually do. Isn't that amazing? That some families can be that way. Some individuals can be that way. Some church communities can be that way. And we simply cannot do that. So, what are some things that we can do instead? <laughs> so, if it's if it's not that, what is it? Well, let's look first of all at verses one through three of the book of Acts, chapter one, where I'm going to draw this op- application that we should pay attention to what Jesus actually said, while ignoring what we want Him to say. Okay, all right, Luke writing to this man named Theophilus, we'll talk about that in just a second, says this, in the first book, O Theophilus, that I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach, that's the Gospel of Luke, okay? So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. That's part one. Part two is the Book of Acts or what we sometimes call the Acts of the Apostles or some people say, no, that's not right, Acts of the Holy Spirit. But in other words, Luke wrote it Here we go. This is the the, the after Jesus kind of story, the birth of the church when God started to call out people and to bring the gospel all over the world. Okay? Until the day when He was taken up after He had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom He had chosen. He presented Himself alive to them after His sufferings by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So... When we look at this story and we see Jesus resurrected from the dead, and then you see the guys that had gone fishing are now back with Jesus. He's making them breakfast on the beach, and wouldn't that be nice? I'm still waiting for Jesus to do that for me, but no. Okay, so he makes Jesus, he makes them breakfast on the beach. They come up. He restores Peter who had rejected him, and then he spends 40 days with them. Now, 40 days is a significant period of time during the Bible. It's Indicative of a time of preparation and cleansing. Preparation and cleansing. 40 days. That is the number all throughout the scriptures that you see that taking place. Preparation and cleansing. So he spent 40 days, and what did he talk about? He talked about proofs of his resurrection. Proofs of his resurrection. And also, what Jesus talked to them about was his kingdom. His kingdom. Now what they wanted him to talk about was the Jewish kingdom, the Israelite nation. That's what they wanted him to talk about. See, they wanted him to say, okay guys, listen, I've died, I've resurrected, now let's form the army, now let's go take out Rome, now let's go do this thing, let's make the nation of Israel the biggest, best nation of all the world. Let's go conquer everything. Let's be God's people and everybody else is going to be less. Let's raise ourselves back up and so that we can do this separate. Because that's where the Jews thought in the first century. They thought they were God's people and everybody else was subhuman down here. We're the in crowd. You're the out crowd. We've got it all together. You're lost. We have a relationship with Creator. You don't. We have the law. You don't. The I have it, you don't mentality. The I am and you're not mentality. And in the church, that has to go away. That has to go away. Jesus was talking about His kingdom. Jesus was talking about His kingdom and that His kingdom doesn't have geographic boundaries. Navity. Human beings are wonderful at planting themselves somewhere, drawing a big circle around them, and saying, if you're like me, if you want to look like me, act like me, behave like me, you can come in my circle. If you don't, then go out there. Because you're less than, and you're not as important, and you're not as valuable, and you're stupid, and you have dumb customs, and you have dumb rules, and you, you draw a circle, we're the best, yay. We're wonderful like that. And as much as I love my country, sometimes we do that. We draw a circle around ourselves and say, we're the best, go away. But see, the gospel's not like that. Here in the book of Acts, you're gonna discover that here in Jerusalem, this thing took place and 2,000 people gave their lives to Christ on the first day that Peter preached, and then he scattered them all over the world. And all over the world, churches were planted. All over the world, in their cultures, with their mindsets, with... And their stuff, and their traditions, and all of these people, and where was their unity? Jesus, Jesus. So if they were going to sit around and wait for Jesus to build an army and to go ahead and, ca- and, and conquer Rome, they were going to be sitting there forever. They would still be sitting there. In fact, they would have sat there till 1948 when Israel became a nation again. They would. Have, that's a long time. A long time. horribly long time and so he says to you i'm talking about two things i'm alive i'm resurrected i crossed through death back into life and remember the day when i called you to follow me that's where we're going that's where we're going he says you're following me and we're going through death to life that's where we're headed do you know that's where you're going that's so where you're going. Each and every one of us. We're going to follow Jesus through death. We're going to follow him through death to life. Isn't that amazing? So where's our church going? Through death, through life. Where am I going in life? Where am I headed? What's going on? What's the goal? What's the destination? Through death to life. Oh. But I thought it would, <laughs> don't, don't get caught up in stops along the way. And then he talks to them about his kingdom, the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? And we're going to watch that unfold. So, the second thing that we kind of discover in verses four and five is that we wait as instructed for God to fulfill his promise. Notice, he says, and while staying with them, he ordered them. This is like no options here, okay? No options. He ordered them, do not depart from Jerusalem. Don't leave. Why would they have wanted to leave? Because they crucified Jesus and they believed they were next. So they had to leave. That's in their, their mind is, I have to go. I, I, I can't stay here. Okay, they killed Jesus. Now he's back. It's been 40 days. Oh, my goodness. And, and they're after all of us. They, they want to kill all of us. We got to leave. And for these, they they were not to leave. Many others did. It's called the disbursement. And, And through many others, the gospel was spread because they left because of persecution. So persecution broke out. They left. They kept preaching the gospel. The gospel spread all over the world because it was persecution. Persecution drove the spread of the gospel in the early church. And in many places around the world today, persecution drives the spreading of the gospel. And so they were told, you cannot leave. Others will, but you can't. Stay. And He said to them, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you heard from Me, for John baptized with water. Remember that whole thing? That whole scene was, I'm giving up my selfish ways, I'm going to follow God. Okay. But you, He says, Will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In fact, it was probably about 10 days that they had to hang out, about a week and a half they had to hang out. And so he says, Many are gonna go. It's chaotic. It's crazy. It's horrible. They killed me. Now they're trying to kill you. They hear that I'm back. They're not believing it. They're, re- they're rejecting it. They're thinking maybe I came back as a spirit. Maybe that's why I'm eating fish to tell you that I'm not, I'm not a spirit. They think that you're lying. Because the, the, the news of the day was that the disciples came, stole the body, and started saying that he had resurrected. So all over Jerusalem, all over that part of the world, there was this, what am I going to believe? Am I going to believe my Jewish religious leaders who tell me that these crazy group of about 12 dudes, they like stole the body of Jesus and they're saying they resurrected? Am I supposed to believe them or am I supposed to believe these guys? I don't, what, do, what do I believe? What, what is the truth? Boy, we find ourselves there again, don't we? The continual place that humans are always finding themselves. One group saying this and another group saying that. And, and so what do I believe? What, what, how do I know what to do? How do I know what happened? All I knew is they were afraid. All I knew was there were news that seemed to oppose each other. But he says, wait here, and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is going to come in a new way, and Jesus had explained this already to them. Jesus had already explained to them that I'm going away, and it's good that I do so because as I go away, the Comforter, the Teacher, the Holy Spirit, the Guide's going to come, and though Jesus is saying God can be here in this body in Jesus but he's, he's, he's here, but when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of God can fill either one of them. And he explained to them in the book of John that I've been with you, that God has been with you, but now, at this time, God is going to be in you. See, Jesus is like, guys, get a hold of this. God is with you, but I'm going to die, resurrect, prove to you that I'm resurrected. I'm going to give you a command to wait. I'm going to go, and though I've been with you, God's going to be in you. God's going to be in you. God's going to fill you with himself. And he says to them, "Don't leave." But I want to leave. But I'm scared. Stay. Stay stay there. Stay there. But it's hard. I know. But there's all this conflicting stuff going on and I don't know what to believe. I know. There's people that don't look like me around here. I know. There's people that don't think like I do around here. I get it. Stay there. I've already told you what's going to happen. Don't get all wrapped up in what you think might happen. Do you know anticipation of the might? Of what you think might happen will destroy your peace? Boy, I need growth there. I need to come sit down and hear someone tell me that. I get all twisted up in the what-ifs. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And What if this and that? Just stay. Just hold it. And so we are to pay attention to what He actually said. We are to wait for Him to fulfill His promises. And then verses 6 and 7 help us understand to not try to figure it all out. How many of you? I, I I just I just gotta know. I gotta know what's gonna happen. What are we gonna do? What are the details? Who's gonna do it? When's it gonna take place? I want details and I want you know instruction and I, I want step by step and I want it to make sense and I, I, it has to you know fit. But notice in verse six. So so they the disciples they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I can imagine Jesus just putting his head down for a second. I can imagine Jesus going like this. Oh. One time Jesus got frustrated with his disciples and he goes, Do I have, have I not been with you long enough? You not to understand this. Are we we here again? You still asking this? Did you not get it when I gave you the kingdom parables? Did you not understand? You Could have looked at John. He was the only one there. Peter, maybe from a distance. Said, didn't you hear me talk with Pilate? When I said, my kingdom is not here or else my people would fight that it's not an earthly deal. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's not a geographic location. It's, it's beautiful as it was. It wasn't a heritage. It wasn't customs. It wasn't traditions. It wasn't any of that. It was a brand new expression of God. And so he says to them, It's not for you to know. Times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Oh. That's not for you to know. It's fixed. It's not a for grabs. God already knows what he's going to do. Already knows how he's going to do it, through whom he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, what the results are going to be. See, everything that I want before I step out in faith, God already has, and he's telling me to mind my business. He's telling me to stay in my lane. He's telling me you won't get it if I explained it. He says it's not for you to know. You're to do what I told you with what I told you. I've given you proofs that I've resurrected. I've given you lessons that you should have a good idea of what my kingdom is about. And what I do in the future is already set, is already planned. I've already got it covered. Don't need your advice. Don't need anything from you. You don't have to know. You do I told you what to do. See, we as Christians, we need, we need to do better with this. I, I mean, I do. I, I'm, I really need, need to get with this one. And maybe that's why God has just said, start out in the book of Acts and see where it goes. Okay. Okay. We're going to journey through this together. It's so amazing when he says, it's not for you to know times or seasons Do you know how many books have been written about the second coming of Jesus? Do you know how many books have been written to convince you when Jesus exactly was going to come? Do you know how many man hours have been wasted trying to figure out when Jesus is going to come back? Do you realize that sometimes when teachers say when Jesus is supposed to come back, even when He doesn't, people keep following Him and keep buying His books? Do you realize... That in 88, oh it was so convenient in 1988 for someone to write a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 88, and people bought it by the millions. What? If I could sell a million books by writing garbage, I might as well, and the church could use the money. But what a waste. Oh, and when 1989 hit, he wrote another book of why he was mistaken, and people bought that. So I could buy a book, I could write a book, it could all be wrong, and then I could write another one to tell you why I was wrong, and you're gonna buy that one too? Oh my Lord, wow. <laughs> and in one verse, Jesus is not for you to know. But let's go buy books, and let's try to figure this out, and let's do this, and let's do that, and when do you think, and when do you, and is it post, print, or mid? Is it all millennials, and millennials? Is it, and you're like, going, your head's spinning right now, and I just did the one sentence. Try going to get a degree in theology and have to swim through all this nonsense when people say, This is when Jesus is coming back. Stop. What camp are you in? What label do you fly under? Why? Because once again, as human beings, we want to plant ourselves somewhere, draw a circle around ourselves, and say, We're the best. Are you in my circle? Are you in that other circle? If you're in that circle, you're not as good as me. You're stupid. got to stop doing that. Jesus is like stop trying to figure that out. Stop. So pay attention to what he actually said. Ignore what you want him to say. Just get that away. Wait as instructed and don't try to figure it all out. How you doing with stuff in your life right now? Struggling with your kids? What did Jesus actually say? What did he actually say? Sometimes you're just not going to figure it all out. It's okay. You don't have to be super mom. You don't have to be super dad. You're not going to get it all. It's all right. It's okay. And what next? The next thing you look at verse 8 live in the purpose of his promised Holy Spirit. Oh. So live in this purpose. He says, but. I love that in between verse 7 and 8. It's just not for you to know, but, don't try to figure it all out, but, so he's contrasting these, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Oh, I wish, they probably would have started spinning halfway through that. Oh, but, so we're, so maybe, maybe it won't be that God is gonna restore the nation of Israel, maybe, but I'm gonna get the power. Ooh, I love that. I love that. That means I get power. Maybe the rest of y'all won't, but I'm gonna get power. Well, power to do what? Well, power to power to live the American dream. Power to have whatever I want. Power to speak and get things. No. No. But you will have power, it says. but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Some translations say to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. So wait a minute, I have to ignore what I want you to say and really focus on what you say. I have to wait as instructed. I have to know I can't figure it all out. But in all of the chaos, I'm going to have power to be a witness of Christ. I can testify that He is risen from the dead and He's creating a brand new kingdom that is going to to renew all of creation. I don't know if it all figured out but I can have power to live in the chaos and be a a witness to Christ. And you know what? Maybe that is what your family needs you to be. Maybe that is what your community needs you to be. Maybe all the things that the church tries to be, maybe Jesus is just saying, would you just focus on being a witness to my resurrection and my renewal? Could you just... I know you think you need to figure it all out and you need to have every ministry under the sun and you need to have everything going on and you need to be all things to all people. I understand. But can you just say, I don't know. I'm present with Jesus. I'm attentive to Jesus. And I'm just going to live out this witness. And I'm going to trust that God is going to work through that and do whatever He has planned with my family, whatever He has planned with me, Whatever he has planned with my community. And I'm going to trust that he's going to work that out. Because he then goes on in this sentence, or just actually he, staying in the same sentence. He makes them very uncomfortable. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. They probably felt good about that because they were already there. Though this is convenient. That this is good, I'm here. That's why, because you want me to be a witness to Jerusalem. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool, Jesus. We're good with that. And in all Judea. Wonderful. Because they're they're Jewish people. That's, That's wonderful. Okay. Good, Jesus. You're on the right path. Amen. And Samaria. Time out. Hold up. We don't talk to those people. No. See, by the first century, the people living in Samaria have become... People that Jews had intermarried with Gentiles and they were this kind of mixed race thing going on. And that didn't fit in their little Jewish circle. That didn't fit in their little idea of what everything should be. No. To the fact when Jesus walked through Samaria, they were wondering, what are you doing walking through there? We know that it's the fastest route, we know it's the most convenient route, but those people are over there, so we're gonna walk all the way around because we don't like them. They're not in our circle. And Jesus, what are you doing when you go there? Oh, and you're in the middle of the day talking to this woman who's a reject of her own community. So she's a reject of the rejects. And Jesus, you're talking to her? What are you you doing talking to the rejects of the rejects? What, What are you doing? And then all revival breaks out in Samaria. So they were really scratching their head about this one. Well, we want to dominate them. We don't want to incorporate them. We don't want to embrace them. We want to keep them down. We want to make them feel less than we are. We don't want to embrace them. No way. But Jesus is saying, I'm building this kingdom that doesn't have circles built around it, that doesn't have hierarchies, it's not about separation to keep yourself pure, to keep everybody else away. But I'm creating a kingdom of renewal by embracing and letting everybody in. We're blowing this circle up. We're erasing all of the boundaries. And we're bringing everybody in. And your job is to testify, to be a witness of my resurrection and my renewal. No. Oh. Huh. And then, not that Samaria wasn't bad enough, it was this end of the earth stuff. End of the earth stuff. And notice he didn't say, now go do your best to do this. He didn't say, now go create a plan and go make this happen. He says, wait right here. Be attentive to me, pay attention. Be aware, focus on what I've said. Don't look at the squirrels right here, you will be my witnesses. My power is going to come upon you, and you will. Well, how are we going to do that? You're just going to watch. This is going to be amazing. You're going to be amazed at what happens through your life. And it's going to spread all over the world. So live in the purpose of His promise. I believe, finally, that we are to live in the hope of His return, not knowing how it's all going to be figured out. Look at how the passage begins to conclude. Verse 9-11. through 11. It says, And when He had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up, and a cloud took Him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as He went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee... Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come, again, will come in the same way as you saw Him go into heaven. Now, don't, no, don't get lost in the, the scenery of it. Okay? Don't get lost in the scenery of it. Some things are going on here that aren't exactly obvious but one thing that's going on here is he's saying, why are you standing here looking at this? Well, somebody was just literally sucked up into the air. You don't think we're going to look at this? This is a spectacle. You don't think we're going to stand there with our jaws on the floor wondering what just happened? And these two men, angels most likely, two messengers, hey, why are you looking up there? What they were being asked is, didn't he tell you to do something? Why are you just standing there looking at him then? You already know what to go do. Oh. See, and now what these angels are doing, they're erasing this notion that they're going to see Jesus come right back. They're erasing this notion of, I believe in Jesus because I see him what they're inviting these men to do, they're inviting these men to start experiencing Jesus by faith. This is the great transition. You and I have been doing this all along. You and I, this is is the way we came to know Jesus. The Holy Spirit came to you, convicted you of your sin, convinced you of the love of Christ, and you were welcomed in. You you just know Jesus this way. You've never seen Him tie His shoes. You've never had Him fix you breakfast on the beach. You never walked a road with Him when everybody was just being quiet. You didn't see Him doing these things. You and I weren't there. We know Jesus by faith. And we know Jesus by the identification the Holy Spirit coming and revealing this Jesus to us. But these guys didn't know that. So there he's inviting these folks into what we've been experiencing all along because from this day all the way forward until the return of Christ, we see Jesus with the eye of faith. We experience Jesus through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And in this book, in this account is when God started to change all that. What a crazy time of transition, wasn't it? And so we do live in hope that he's going to come back in like manner, does that mean that he's coming back riding on the clouds? Stop! See what we do with that. Oh, he's going to come back in clouds. Oh, oh, it's cloudy. Look at that. that's probably what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back. No, no, stop. No, it means he's coming back in the flesh. Oh, so right now we experience him by faith. Later we're going to experience him in the flesh. You got it. Oh, so right now, Pastor. We're supposed to be present and paying attention to Jesus, waiting, waiting on him, making sure his needs are met, making sure he has what he needs. We're present and attentive. We don't have it all figured out. We're letting go of what we think he should say, and we're embracing what he is saying. We're, we know that we can't get this all figured out, but we're going to live in the power that he's given us, and we're going to focus on being witnesses of Jesus. And he's building his church, and we're witnesses. He's bringing renewal, and we're witnessing to it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So is your life characterized by this waiting? Or is your life characterized by waiting for Jesus to do what you think he should do? See, are you seated in the booth, with your family and your friends? See, are are we together as a church community, are we seated in this place today with our forks and our knives and our cups and our food and our things, and we're saying, hey, Jesus, would you mind filling this up for me? Hey, Jesus, this plate's kind of dirty. Would you take this away and bring me some dessert? Hey, Jesus, would you? See, because that's sometimes what the church looks like. A bunch of people sitting around giving their orders to Jesus, and we call that prayer. We've looked at the menu. We've opened up our Bible and gone, ooh, look at all, peace, want some of that, some grace, Mmm, yes. Hey, I'll take a number two. Let's combo these bad boys up and throw in a free drink and dessert. And we think that's what coming to church is like going to a restaurant. We open up the menus and ordering what we want. And then when we leave, it's like, yes, church was so good today. I got what I want from Jesus. And look at the offering plate; see if you left a tip. Huh. You see what I'm saying? See that? That's not like that's not what's going. Jesus didn't gather us together this morning and all over the world in places like this to take our order. Jesus gathered us together and sat down and said, hey, I got some things for you to do. I'm going to give you power to do these wonderful things. but I'm going to need you to wait. I'm going to need you to give up on what you think I should do. I'm going to need you to just understand you're not going to get it all. and I'm going to need you to understand that I'm going to fill you with me. And when you're full of me, you're you just you just are a witness you just are so as we journey through the book of acts together we're going to see how god started this thing called the ecclesia the, the called out ones in english we come off of a german word and so we say church but what is this thing what, what is this community called the called out ones We're going to discover that together. And you're a part of that. We also call it a body of Jesus. And you're a part of that. And he's inviting you in. He says, I've got some wonderful things to accomplish. I'm going to renew everything. I'm going to redo it all. I'm going through death, through life, and I'm dragging everybody else with me. And I want you to be a part of that. Your creator is coming and said, "Come on, I've got some things to do. I want you to be with me, because I created you to be with me. I love you, I care for you. I want you to be with me, and I want you to experience this renewal. I want you to experience it in here, and I want you to be a part of bringing it to other people and bringing it all over the world. That's so much bigger than the American dream. That's so much bigger than standing in one place drawing a circle around ourselves and saying, "Aren't we special?" see this is so much bigger so much more amazing and I know that we have day-to-day little like day-to-day things going on but if we would focus on this maybe that renewal will come to your marriage maybe that renewal will come to your children maybe that renewal in your own heart will remove the depression and the anxiety and the hurt and the pain Maybe it will remove all of the failures that made you label yourself as a failure. Maybe that renewal will erase all kinds of messages that people have maybe told you that you're not good enough or that you don't meet the standard or you can't be in my little circle. So all those things come to us when we join in what Jesus is doing. And so may you be a waiter or a waitress. Sorry, I... May you be fully attentive and present with Jesus. And may we be a community of waiters. May we just try to be that. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this amazing like, time in history that you, um, you took these people, Lord, these, these guys and, uh, and their families and... Um, Turns out, Lord, that about 120 of them were together, and, and Father, your holy Spirit came and just like flooded them. And they didn't have it all figured out. weren't supposed to, in fact. They had a lot of desires that were pretty small. They had some desires that were pretty selfish. They had some desires that were um, handed down to them and never really investigated, but just accepted. And Father, you, you help them kind of push that aside. And so Father, we pray today that we would be that. It's hard though, God, it's hard. We are so consumed with, with being consumers. We're so consumed with wanting our own way. We're so consumed with opening up a menu and giving you our order And Father, we're not very good at being attentive to you because we're so wrapped up in our own stuff. But Father, as we begin to be more attentive to you, I think our, our own stuff starts to get sorted out because that's just what you do. And I think, Lord, that we don't need any more circles, we don't need any more hierarchy. We need unity. We need to bring people in, not push people down. We need to invade the chaos by being witnesses. We need to absorb the persecution for it drives the spread of the gospel. We need to embrace the challenge and the difficulty and the heartache and the, the confusion. We need to embrace all of that and be really attentive to you. And start following you closer. We love you, Jesus, and we, we need your Holy Spirit today. We need your Holy Spirit to fill each one of us. We need your Holy Spirit to fill us as a community that, may you, that may, you may do through us what you have planned. You know what this church is supposed to be. You know what it's supposed to do. And so, Father, we want to follow You in that. And so, Lord, help us today. Fill us with Your Spirit as we receive communion today. As we reflect upon the cross where You bear, bore all of our sins, where You are our substitute and our identification, where even, Lord, we can say like Paul the Apostle that there on the cross when You died, we died. We died to all our selfishness. We died to our own preconceived notion of who we were. And we took on your identity. We took on your life. So Father, fill us with your spirit, we pray, as we receive communion today and help us to follow you very closely. In Jesus' name, amen.